It's Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods. Six of time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. It's cold again this morning, but you know, I kind of expect that. Temperatures will be like this for a while. Once again, a whole lot to do today, so I'll just get started with something that happened yesterday, an announcement that came yesterday that people about mid-afternoon started sending me notes on. Hey, Glenn, did you see this? Well, and I would like to thank someone very near and dear to all of us for the opening segment of this program today. But first. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee, and feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not refer to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. So, um, I, you just get somewhere where you can go ahead and scream bloody murder. It's, it's early in the morning. I, I understand you don't want to wake people up, but I'm giving you a warning in advance so you don't uh, wake family members and so on. <clears throat> Ready? I warned you. So Liz Cheney, we haven't done that in a while, huh? Yeah. There's also, I had this one set by for a while, the mega explosion. So I would say, so Liz Cheney, and then this is when she did something really bad. Nuclear explosion after that. Well, it isn't that bad, but it does make it an interesting story anyway. She's going to be teaching at a major university. Now, first question, Miss Mary asked, and other people as well, and where is that major university? Well, of course, Virginia. Yeah, here's the story. Former Republican Wyoming Representative Liz Cheney will be teaching University of Virginia Center for Politics. Her position will be professor of practice, according to the university. So that's not like a full-time job. They have her for a semester to help this class along with all the very projects and public speaking on various issues and so on. And then at the end of the semester, they take a look. Do they want to continue the program? Do they, there's a lot of visiting people who play the role of professor for a while and then move on. So let's see. We are thrilled to share Liz Cheney will be joining us as professor of practice. There are many threats facing our system of government, and I hope my work with the Center for Politics at the Broader Community University of Virginia. Okay, that's basically the idea. So if you've been wondering, what has she been doing since she left office? Now, Liz is someone who keeps busy, and I mean really busy. She didn't, you know, when her job ended as our representative, she didn't just go sit and relax somewhere. That's not her personality type. You're not going to find her 
sitting in the living room with her fingers in a bowl of whatever her favorite snack is and and sipping on whatever her favorite adult beverage is, watching television. That's not who she is. She's always hyper busy. So she went and started, now I don't I like the name of the organization here, but remember I was saying she has something in mind when she was raising money to run for your representative here in Wyoming. And she spent a good amount of money to try to keep the job. But even more money was set aside for something else. She was raising a ton. What exactly for? And yeah, most of that money was out-of-state money. So what for? Here's the group. I don't actually like the name of it. The Great Task. Yeah, There's a website called that. Speaking at Gettysburg, the website says, Lincoln described our great task that we highly resolve that these deeds shall not be, uh, these people have not died in vain. This nation under God shall have new birth of freedom and government of the people by the people and for the people shall not perish from this earth. So it was Abraham Lincoln, Gettysburg Address, his pictures on the website. And her idea with this, this is like a think tank, and this is what the money went into, this think tank. And you can even donate there. Let me see. There's about media. Okay, store. The website's mostly to raise more money for the think tank. This is mainly what she's been doing. The great. It says on the site, the great task is a multi-candidate PAC sponsored by Congresswoman Liz Cheney that is focused on reverence for the rule of law, respect for our Constitution, and recognition that all citizens have a responsibility to put their duty to the country above partisanship. The great task is designed to educate and mobilize Americans in a unified effort to assure that our republic endures. And then, let me see, Cheney at Crystal Bridge Museum. She uh, spoke there, worked with the committee. Cheney joins Washington Post Global Women's Summit, and there's all sorts of things that she's doing to keep busy. So that's where a lot of that money went to this think tank, which she pays herself a salary through. And the idea, a big part of that idea is to make sure that Trump doesn't get reelected. That's a big part of what she wants to do. But in general, she wants to bring the Republican Party, as she sees it, back to its more conservative roots. And she doesn't like the whole MAGA-Trump movement within the Republican Party. That, that was her opinion at the time. So that's part of what she's been working on. And let me see, working with the Center for Politics, teaching at the university. Again, that's not a full-time job. And there's other projects that she's been working on as well. So don't think that you've heard the last of Liz. She's she's always been someone who's kept uber busy. She always has so much going on. There's no way she's ever going to sit back and relax. She's always going to be involved. You're going to see her on television, expect op-ed pieces. There's been speculation she would run for president. I don't know. I have no idea if she would run for president or not, but she certainly doesn't support anybody who supports Trump. In fact, when she was, and it, it, I don't think it really mattered to anyone, when she was endorsing politicians in the last election cycle, 
she would endorse the Democrat, even though she's very conservative, if the Republican was a Trump supporter. Because she just doesn't want him anywhere near politics ever again. That's one of her main missions in life, to make sure that he never gets elected to anything ever again. So, okay, that's what she's been doing with herself. Again, the university position is not a full-time job. It's a semester for now. And then they'll see if they want to continue the program. Lots of universities do this with people who they consider to be people of note. All right. Oh, I like this. Uh, <laughs> I play that first thing in the morning and Rianne from Fort Danger. Why, Glenn? Jim in Casper already sent me a note about Liz before I even started the program. He was up early thinking about this. 6.15 is the time. Wake up, Wyoming. Sometimes the best... Soggy morning porch paper. You need Wake Up, Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Six eight change of time. Wake up, Wyoming. Yeah, the cold side this morning. As far as I can tell, most Wyoming roads are open. There's a few out there. In fact, I'll take a look at that real quick. There's a few out there that are a little bit of a problem. But for the most part, things have been open and will stay open for the next few days. I do know the last I looked, between Cheyenne and I think Chugwater, that area. We'll take a look as the map loads up here. Nope, try, uh, from Cheyenne up to Wheatland. That's slick. Those are some slick roads there. Everything else pretty much is open unless you want to go north of Medicine Bow. That's still closed. And there's a couple of other areas. If you are in Riverton, you want to head south. And you'll get down that highway for just a little while, uh, 135, and then about halfway down they close it. Yeah, so, but believe it or not, I 80 is open. There's a lot about I-80 that's sketchy, but it's open. So, all right, that's the best we've seen in a while. In listening to Don Day's forecast, and I got that before I even got on the air this morning, he doesn't sound good. I sent him a note, you sure you can do your, because, you know, he joins me at 745. Sure you can join me for this, Don? All the voices loosening up. I think I can. He does not sound good. But he talks about next week as... It's still too far out to tell, but it's going to be really cold, and meteorologists are wondering if something bigger is coming. But don't hold on to that as gospel yet. There's a lot going on. It's just the signs are there, and they're watching it really closely. All right. This is one, Jad, it's just, it's just like the Liz Cheney thing when I do the head explosion. Same kind of reaction is what you're going to have to this next story. If we had some global warming, if we had some global warming, it wouldn't be 20 below, it wouldn't be 20 below. If we had some global warming, if we had some global warming, I wouldn't be shoveling snow, I wouldn't be shoveling that blasted snow. If we had some global warming, if we had some global warming, I wouldn't have to drive this giant truck. Maybe I could drive a little commuter car. If we had some global warming, I set the flamingo free. We had a big talk a while ago about all of these uh, 
wind turbine fans being dumped into landfills around the Casper, Wyoming, or Trona County area. Well, Cowboy State Daily story. By 2050, used wind turbine blades will exceed 43 million tons of waste every year. The speed by which wind farms are being constructed across the U.S. is going faster than spring wind in Casper, the story says. In about 20 years, wind turbines at the current pace put into operation today will be nearing the end of their lifespan. Some don't even last 20 years. Since the blades are very difficult to recycle because of what they're made out, they got to be strong, yet extremely light. So the way they make them. They retire the blades, and they have been bringing them to places like, again, the Trona County landfill. Let's bury them. According to a 2017 study published by scientific journal Waste Management, the world's wind industry will be producing about 43 tons of blade waste annually. That's the equivalent weight of about 215,000 locomotives. The U.S., Europe will amount to about 41% of that. The size and weight of the blades vary. I remember our friend Dave from San Francisco, the guy who thinks he really knows it all. Yet the more he talks, the more you realize he doesn't know anything what he's talking about. He said, you know, those blades turn really slow. No, they don't, Dave. They turn really fast. It's just they're so big, it looks like they're moving slow. They actually move at incredible speed. Well, currently, there are no scalable, cost-effective technologies to recycle these blades, although some people are trying. Maybe somebody will come up with something right now. They don't know what to do with them. Wind turbine manufacturers are looking for ways to make blades more recyclable. And some recyclers are looking at ways to reuse blades in hopes of keeping them out of landfills. I look at that and think they, they could probably find a way to do that. I don't know why they haven't yet. And I have seen people use them for interesting things. Some people have called this program saying, why don't we make snow fences out of them? That's a thought. There's all sorts of things you should be able to do with them. I don't know what the problem is. In 2019, Casper Landfill accepted about 1,500 wind turbine blades for disposal. The photos of bulldozers pushing dirt over the chopped up blades were shared across social media. Special waste supervisor for the city of Casper told Cowboy State Daily the landfill is not currently accepting any more blades. Quote, we have rate codes and everything so that uh, we're capable of taking blades, but we don't currently have any projects that are bringing us blades, he said. He said the blades don't have any leaching potential, so they're, they, they, they're not put inside a lined landfill. In other words, it's not toxic waste. The toxic part comes from the batteries. As you've heard me talk about before, when you have wind turbines and solar panels, they have battery farms that store that energy for a couple of reasons, but also because wind and solar never creates the energy at a nice, even rate. It's always fluctuating. Can't have that on the grid. So they can't go directly to grid. So they charge batteries and then bleed that off onto the grid in a nice, even flow. Right? Well, that's what's toxic. I want to know, we're talking wind turbine blades. What are they going to do with all of that toxic waste from the batteries? 
A outreach and public information officer for the Wyoming Department of Environmental Quality told Cowboy State Daily there are regulations governing types of constructions uh, for demolishing waste such as uh, asbestos, but generally blades can be disposed in landfills that are permitted for construction of what they call demolition waste. Quote, at the end of the day, it's up to the facility as to whether or not they want to do that. Blades are made to be durable as they are spinning for two decades in some really harsh weather, he said. University of Wyoming professor of mechanics and engineering, director of wind energy research, told Cowboy State Daily the composite materials, various fibers and resins and bonds all together make a solid matrix, which makes it difficult to recycle. He said research continues to find ways to make it more recyclable. Some manufacturers have announced that they have developed a fully recyclable blade. It could be while before those are deployed across the nation. We'll see. I hope they can. I don't see why they haven't been able to, but all right. Just like I don't know why. Why can't you recycle what? I don't understand. I'd like that explained. Quote, we recycle a lot of the rest of the turbine, the steel, the copper. Okay. These blades are the last remaining piece. Well, not, not don't forget all of the toxic waste from those batteries. You're just talking about the turbine itself. Spokesperson for Next Era Energy Resources, which operates Cedar Springs Roundhouse and Wind Farms in Wyoming, said almost all of the components of their turbines can be recycled. When the turbines are uh, decommissioned, they work with turbine manufacturers to separate components and recycle the pieces. At Next Energy Resources, he said, we aim to be good stewards of the environment. Well, imagine they're trying to be good stewards of the environment, which sort of in a back doorway admits that these things, you know, you got to do it just right or they're not good for the environment. Even though blades can't be broken down to create new materials like that, he said, we, we eat aluminum, plastics, things like that, that can. Uh, one gentleman, Cowboy State Daily, talked to said there's about 680,000 miles of roads in Texas. Uh, the state, the, and they're thinking about, hey, can we do anything with those blades to make them into roads? You might be able to. You can probably crunch that up and make some kind of a road out of it. That's another possibility. So they're working on it. We're trying at one company. We're trying to get a bid to get blades cut into specifications so they can be shipped. And then people can do something with them. He currently is cutting order for about 45 blades in order to send them. He also said in research into blade recycling, there's a problem. It's been going on actively for at least a decade now. Quote, this is, it is this problem we're working on. It's the one that's threatening, the, is it threatening health and safety of anybody? No. Well, again, the blades, no. The blades are not affecting the health and safety. But again, those massive battery farms, yes, that is. And that's something I don't often hear as much as we've been talking about the blades, too much about the battery farms and what to do with all of that. It's toxic to create them. It's toxic to dispose of them. What about that? All right, we're coming up on 6.30, so that's going to be local news coming away.
Right after a local news update on your weather forecast, you and I get back into it again. When you hear Don Day's forecast at about 6.45, his voice not so good. He's not, he's not feeling well. Good forecast, worth listening to, but he's not sounding so good this morning. So he caught something and went right to his vocal cords. So wake up, my own. the day at 888-97-WOODS. Wake up, Wyoming, with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 K2 Radio. 6.36 is the time. It's Wake Up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. 888-97-WOODS, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. You can talk about what I'm talking about. I will do open phones in just a little bit. Hang on, answering a question for someone real quick here. And what was, uh uh-huh, okay. People send me all sorts of notes, so I do what I can to answer back. Uh, Whoops, uh, I got to correct that. Hang on. See, I'm already sending out misinformation. Uh, uh, Got it. Okay, uh, now that that's out of the way, let's get back to the program here. So, Wyoming livestock industry is going to be getting some help probably from the federal government. Like, not like the federal government has the money for this, but here we go. Wyoming and surrounding states have been through a lot. And we're in Colorado, Nebraska, Dakota, you know, et cetera. It's been, first off, very dry for a very long time. That's been bad for... Anyone has had livestock, not just for what to drink, but what for the livestock to eat. Finally, we're getting out of that. This is that whole La Nina, El Nino effect of the natural cycles of going back and forth between not just hot and cold, but wetter and drier. And so, obviously, we're getting out of the dry stuff and into some wet seasons again. In California, wow, even snowed in Los Angeles. I mean, piled up. And the mountains of California, wow, keep getting more and more snow, just nonstop. Wyoming and surrounding states as well. It has hit the plains. It's doing a lot better. But because of not just all of the wet and the bitter cold, well, now we've gone from one extreme to the next, and that's hit cattle, sheep, other such animals that you folks keep out there. So... What's happened is the governors of several states have gotten together and written a letter asking for federal government help. story I have in front of me here, a letter's gone out to the U.S. Department of Agriculture Farms Survey Agency from Nevada, Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, asking for help. And this would be a lot of it just to get feed. More than anything else, just get us some feed. Because, again, those extremes, first, what they eat has been damaged by the drought over about three years. And now, just when you think, hey, it's raining, we'll have something to feed these guys. Uh, Well, here we go with the other extreme again. So that's what they're asking for. And no response yet, but I'm sure they'll get something to help the ranchers and again whatever else you're raising out there 
some kind of help should come your way at some point because even the governor of Wyoming here was considering declaring a disaster when the last big storm and that disaster declaration puts him in line for getting some kind of federal help. So we'll see. Now, that worries me because I just got a note here, and it's not far off. I had a John up in Granite Canyon. Morning, Glenn. Long as I've lived here, you should know we're going to have a big March and April storm. Yeah, I, it, that always happens when we get into the spring seasons, and everything finally starts looking really nice out. You know, and the, oh, good blue skies. The wind stopped blowing. We're all outside. Everybody steps out cautiously, still clinging to a heavy coat. Is it over? But we all know there's always that last big storm or two that comes in and just clobbers us before it's officially over. So, yeah, people are already starting to talk about that. Now, here again, I'm going to play in just a moment for you Don Day's weather forecast. He's sounding rough. He got sick and went right to his vocal cords. It sounds rough. If you would, pay attention to the part, because we got some days that are decent, cold. Usually it's a bit warmer than this this time of year, but so it's still on the cold side. But as far as snow is concerned, you know, the occasional passing snow shower and so on might hit your area. It's the next week when he gets into that that got my attention. Now, he's already saying ah, he doesn't particularly no no meteorologist does it's just things sort of lining up to have them sitting up and take notice and wondering is that going to become something that doesn't mean something is please don't take what i'm saying as we definitely have something coming next week it will be cold for sure but does that come with a weather system like some of the ones that we've had in the past year where you get buried in a lot of snow and so on don't know yet that is not known yet but i will agree with i80 john here you know that's uh something we all know is coming eventually before we're finally into the official spring and summer months 642 wake up wyoming this weather update wake up wyoming with glenn woods is on the air sorry but we had a budget join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS this is k2 radio 6.48 the time. Off to the icebox we go. Frank Gambino's waiting by. So, Frank, we're going to go to Nebraska for this first story. I know where it's at. Yeah, it's a, a tearjerker of a story, too, but in a good way. So there's a cheerleader who shows up. She's supposed to show up for a competition with her cheerleading squad. Small towns, though, as you know, like with your football and basketball teams, they don't have a bunch of girls there. It's a small group, right? The other girls, for various personal, legit personal reasons, were not able to show up. And so her coach said, well, we'll just go watch the competition. And she said, no, I'm a senior. I'm not going out this way. She, I, I read that she competed by herself. And as you, I have a video. If you go to Wake Up Wyoming site and watch this. First off, there's a guy up front, some uh, older gentleman who turns to the crowd because the video I have is shot from the audience, right? And he's trying to get everybody to sit down. Well, that's not happening. And then when she starts to do her routine, she's leading them into cheer. So everybody's listening for what the cheer is supposed to be. And then you hear them join in. Okay. So the entire audience up there is working with her and rooting her on loudly as she does her routine solo out there, which makes it 
no longer awkward. That was the big thing. Because you would think that'd be really awkward being out there by yourself. Not with that crowd egging her on. Uh, that, that was from Morrill, Nebraska. Yes. Which is right past Torrington. Yep. And uh, Morrill's population is, what, 963? Yep. So what happened to the other girls? Why couldn't they go? Uh, they, they, they were very, the story just says yeah, yeah, they, they never pers- really say why. Yeah, the it just says various personal reasons. So I assume that they all have legit reasons. Nobody walked off out of anger or anything like that. Well, how do you know? Maybe well, they got kicked off the team. Uh, that's not what the story says. So I, that's all I have to go with. But she, this this one girl who went out there by herself, yeah, has more fortitude than yeah, most, probably the entire town. Yeah. She she could have just shown up with her coach because he offered just, I'll take you there, we'll just sit and watch. No. It's her senior year. She's doing this. And besides, how long did she have to work to get that routine down? Years, maybe. Yes. So she's not going to let this go to waste. No, no. no Good so. for her. Yeah. Anyway, if you want to watch, if you read the story that I have on the Wake Up Wyoming site, and then I caution everybody, you can go ahead and watch the video. It's worth watching. It's a good routine. But you're going to have a tough time keeping a dry eye while you do it as the audience backs her up every step of the way. Thank God for humanity. High school basketball, the state 1A and 2A tournament begins today in Casper. The 2A games will be at Casper College for the boys. Tongue River at 20 and 4 will take on 10 and 13 Shoshone at noon. Bighorn at 20 and 2 will play 12 and 11 Grable at 130 uh, later on this afternoon. Defending at 130 and at 730, defending state champion Pine Bluffs, who comes in at 23 and 3, will meet Kemmerer. They're 14 and 10. And the late game at 9 will have Wind River at 15 and 8, taking on Wright, who comes in at 18 and 9. The 2A girls bracket at the college. The breakfast game at 9 a.m. Sundance at 14 9. Entertain 17 8. Kemmerer at 10 30. Defending champion Rocky Mountain, who is 17 6, will meet 11 15. Burns. Wyoming India at 19 5 meets Tongue River, who is 17 7 at 4 30. And at 6 p.m., Lingle Fort Laramie at 18 7 plays 13 13. Shoshone. The 1A games today at the Ford Center in the opening round of the boys' bracket. 10 10. Cokeville tangles with 10 13. KC at noon. Defending champion Upton, they're 19 4, plays 6 16. Farson. Southeast at 16 and 8 plays uh, 23 and 3 Burlington at 7:30. The late game at 9 will have undefeated Saratoga. They've won all 21 of their games playing Hewlett, who comes in at 14 and 7. In the 1A girls bracket at the Ford Center today at 9 a.m. Upton at 20 and 2 will meet Little Snake River. They enter the game at 12 and 9. Cokeville will play Rock River at 10:30. Both teams are 14 and 9. At 4:30, Burlington at 19-4 will take on 10 and 11 Arveda Claremont. And at 6 p.m. Southeast, the defending state champions, 25 and 2, they will take on 30. 13-9 in Camden. The semifinals will be tomorrow, and the finals of the 1A-2A tournament will be on Saturday starting at 3.30 at the Ford Center. The 3A and 4A regional basketball tournaments for the high schoolers start today. The 4A East will be in Casper and Natrona. For the boys, Sheridan plays NC and plays Laramie at 10.30. Cheyenne East and Campbell County at 1.30. Thunder Basin meets Cheyenne South at 5. And at 8 p.m. Natrona will take on Cheyenne Central. The 4A girls East bracket, Thunder Basin and Cheyenne South at 9. Central and Sheridan at noon. Campbell County will beat Laramie at 3.30 and Cheyenne East will take on NC at 6.30. The 4A West will be this afternoon. The Kelly Walls girls and boys both draw Star Valley in the first round at 4.30 and 7.30. The 3A East Regional will be in Torrington. The Glenrock girls will play Douglas at 10.30 this morning. The Glenrock boys will play Wheatland at 6. College soccer, Hannah Trumbull of Casper College assigned with Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana. She made one start as a keeper for the T-Birds this past season. Made four starts the year before at Dakota Wesleyan. And Trumbull was a two-time All-State selection in high school for Natrona County. That's it in sports. 
that is a long list, Frank. We have a lot of games. I mean, really, that is a lot of games. That I was thinking probably one of the longest lists I've ever heard you read. And it's then we start this morning. And I, w- and I will be talking to you later this morning from the Ford Center. That was my next question over there. When the list is that long, you end up running over to the Ford yes, Center. And the first thing I always have to ask you about is what are the snacks like? Well, they, I think they'll start out with donuts. Uh, well, good. Okay. And I'm you hoping. never bring us any. Well, then I'd have to drive all the way back. Well, I could bring it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sneak a few yeah, out in your yeah. pocket. Yeah, of, co- of course. Yeah. yeah, thank you, Frank. Coming up on some, I'm just saying, there's donuts there, you know. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care of news time after that national local update on the weather forecast. Let's wake up, Wyoming. Time is 7.06. It's a Thursday, and I swear to you, I can see the weekend from here. Quick guess coming up at 7.20. Wyoming Department of Environmental Quality, kind of like Wyoming's version of the EPA, which has been argued that's why we don't need an EPA. There's a whole host of topics today. The next couple, though, you're going to find interesting. Let's do this. Warning, this show contains reference to guns, liberty, limited government, low taxation, the cult of climate change, free thinking, cigar smoking, short people, rubber chickens, Karen's bureaucracy, liberal buzzwords, tour runs, traffic, toilets, terrible jokes, and more. No apologies will be issued. Guest callers may express any opinion they want without fear of being canceled. Unless you're a loudmouth jerk like Dave, then Glenn will hang up on you. Strap in, hold on to your coffee. And feel free to participate. This disclaimer does not report to every person named Dave. Just one particular Dave from San Francisco. We know a lot of Daves. They call this show all the time, and they're great people. So don't call this program and complain that we use your name. That would be a real Dave move, Dave. Disney, as you know, has been having a lot of problems because they decided to go all woke. And the more woke Disney got, and ruining things that we've all been enjoying for all of our lives. What I liked about Disney growing up was not only that it's based on fun, but when they did teach a lesson in any of their movies or TV shows, whatever else, it was basically be a decent person, don't be a jerk. That's basically it. Any, anybody can understand that. It didn't matter what your religion was or your political affiliation, whatever the case. Just don't be a jerk. Be a good person to other people. That's all Disney ever did. And people like that message no matter who they are. But as Disney continues down the path of wokeness it is affecting them financially which is too bad because they had they were on a roll for a while there they had some big hits they were making big time money then they start to ruin good an example when the buzz lightyear movie was coming out and it wasn't just one scene in buzz lightyear there were others in as well it seemed like a great idea for a movie i was looking forward to seeing it and then they had to put all this non preachy nonsense. And it really comes down to, it's not a matter of whether I agree with it or not. Did you have to preach at me? It's not why I wanted to watch the movie. I just wanted to go have a good time. Same thing for you sports fans out there. When 
football players started to take a knee and other things like this. As I, I'm not even a sports fan, but I was saying at the time, you don't go to sports for this. You go to escape for a while and have a good time. It's okay just to be into entertainment. You don't have to have a point or a purpose within your entertainment. Do it outside. Do it on your own time. It's okay just to entertain people because sometimes people just want to step away for a while and relax. So here they decide once again to do another Peter Pan movie. Now, there have been many Peter Pan movies from cartoons to live action ones over a very long period of time. It's such an iconic story. It just keeps coming back. So they decided to do another Peter Pan live action thing. And already people are going, Lord. And you had to go woke with it. Let's see. Diversity. That's got to be in there. See, Peter Pan has to now be uh, Native American. And uh, they change. They didn't change the gender of Tinkerbell, but they decided. I, I don't care if they make Tinkerbell another race, which is what they did. But uh, that everything has the Lost Boys. Everything has to be changed here now. The Lost Boys have girls in them. The Lost Boys are called the Lost Boys. It's okay to have a group of just boys that are lost boys. But you get the idea. Now, I can continue going through all of what they decided to do with this. But, the in fact, there's even a line in the movie Wendy, one of the characters. But you're not all boys. <laughs> she asks, what do you call yourself? The Lost Boys. But you're not all boys. Would you just not screw with a classic story, please? It was just fine the way it was. Okay, You don't have to start putting an agenda into it preaching things. There's more to it, but you get the idea. They're now taking Peter Pan. They decided to make live action, in other words, real actors, which could look really good because with today's CGI effects, that could look really good. Because there's some parts of Peter Pan, you know, Peter flies around and they had him on wires and so on way back then. These days, the way they do it, it would look really good with all the special effects, too. But they have to ruin it by putting their woke message into it. So, okay. There's another classic that Disney's going to put out. It's going to cost them a lot of money to do it. And it'll bomb. A lot like they put a ton of money into Buzz Lightyear. And it'll bomb. Well, it did bomb. Just because they decided to go ahead and mess with what could have been a really great story. Just entertain. Quit pushing all of this stuff into our face. Okay? Would you? I've, I've just gone somewhere else. I grew up with Disney, and I've been just going somewhere else for my entertainment because I know if I turn on something new from Disney, they're going to preach at me, and that's not why I tuned in. Okay, the other thing that I had for you, uh, of course, of course, the president is not done coming after your guns. Well, I like guns. I like the way they look. I like the shiny steel and the polished wood. I don't care if they're big or small Therefore say, well, I want them all I like guns, I like guns, I like guns President Biden said in a speech on Wednesday that he's going to ban assault weapons. He doesn't even know what that is. And high-capacity magazines come hell or high water. Now, we, there's, we, we've talked about this extensively over the years, just for the fun of it, just for the fun of it. Let's say he bans assault weapons. Well, 
How many people actually own an assault weapon? Not very many. Okay, most of what's identified as assault weapons are not. But okay, let's say he even uh, uh, bans those things that you and we don't identify as assault weapons, but he thinks it is. And then he bans high-capacity magazines. What would it change? Nothing, as you know. Yeah, nothing would change. Uh, all right, he said it may make you some of you uncomfortable, but that little state above me, Delaware, one of them has the highest rate, one of the highest rates of gun ownership. Well, so I live in Wyoming. You should you should see us. But guess what? We're going to ban assault weapons come hell or high water and high-capacity magazines. When we did it last time, it reduced mass deaths. No, it didn't. That's, not, that's another thing he's been doing a lot of, because he's never told the truth or anything. But the president has been saying a lot lately, well, the last time we banned assault weapons, mass killings went down. No, it didn't. I've read the numbers on the air. No. It didn't. He'll keep saying that, and people will keep repeating it as if it's true. And then they'll get mad at you if you actually pull the real numbers and statistics and show them that's not true. All right, but all right, that's the same as when they say 97% of scientists agree there is no such number. And they get mad at you when you show them that that's not true either. 7.15 is the time. Let's wake up Wyoming. Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. Seven twenty is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So when Wyoming, before it was really even a state, was first really looked at by people who were geologists, people in the energy industry, and so many other industries that rely on what we have here is realized early on that Wyoming has a lot of natural resources. Now, when we first came into the area and started settling and taking advantage of those resources, well, we didn't really know what we were doing, and so some damage was done. But over the years, people began to realize, hey, if you want to work the natural resources, that's great, but there's a way to do it to make sure that you still have clean water, clean air, the ground is clean, et cetera, et cetera. So the state of Wyoming developed the Wyoming Department of Environmental Equality. Kimberly Mazza is a director. She's on the phone with me right now. 50 years, huh? You don't look that old. <laughs> well, yeah. Actually, I've outlived the uh, You actually the have. Okay. <laughs> 50 years. That's I been have. around for quite a while. Did I describe that right? It's basically your Wyoming's version of the EPA, but not so annoying. Well, we uh, received primacy from the EPA. Okay. Um, so, yes. Yes. Basically, we are the version of the EPA, but it's interesting. So as as we are celebrating the, the 50 years, part of what I was doing was going back and revisiting some of the history to see how we came to be what we are at this point. And it's interesting because in 1969, the Wyoming Open Cutland Reclamation Act came into effect, and that was because of the mining that was going on and the impacts that were going on. And so that was actually some of the beginning of all of our caring for our 
using our natural resources, but also caring for the reclamation and making sure we keep our environment pristine. And then when those laws were expanded, that's when the DEQ was formed, the Department of Environmental Quality. And that was on July 1st, 1973. And that is when we... um, when our state and legislature formed the Wyoming Environmental Quality Act, which was an expansion of the 1969 regulations, and also formed the DEQ. So on July 1st, 2023, that will be our birthday. Okay, so the point, though, and uh, this is why I like the way the state of Wyoming does it, which is why I was picking on Mm -hmm. the EPA earlier, is there's a balancing act between people need to get out there and work and make a living, and yet at the same time, these people want to take care of their own environment because I think we've realized, we've become wiser as a species. We've realized that we also have to live in the same areas that we're extracting minerals from or ranching, whatever the case is. So there's a balancing act between letting people work and making sure they do it in a clean, safe way. Exactly. Exactly. And that's what that's what we um, that is our goal and uh, not to inhibit or stop business. That would not be uh, helpful to the state of Wyoming, but also to to cherish and and protect the things that are are really important to us, the wildlife and the environment, the air, clean water. I would also say some important milestones from the Department of Environmental Equality for the state of Wyoming is there were some big messes left behind from other industries, like way back when, when we didn't know better. We're still cleaning some of that up, aren't we? We are. So in 1977, the Office of Mining, um, well, the the United States passed some regulations that required mining, the mining industry to reclaim their land. Prior to 1997, they weren't. And so they would just leave things the way that they were many times. And so we did have quite a bit of um, old coal mines and not just um, an impact to the environment, but uh, health and safety as well. Those old coal mines can begin to subside. And um, for example, in Hannah, Wyoming, we finished a project there. We did win some national awards and recognition for that project where we went in the the school and the football field were starting to subside and sink and it was the result of the old coal mines that these structures were built over and so we went back in and uh, filled in some of those old tunnels and and mining operations that were underground and and causing some of the subsidence and uh, redid the football field redid some of the school uh, redid you know the parking lot and made it safe and more lovely than than prior so those are some of the things that we've been doing since 1977 and the abandoned mine land um, act has provided dollars for the state of Wyoming to be able to do those kind of things to go in and reclaim some of those areas that were not that were not under regulation at the time, and so they were just left behind. And so now we're going back and and reclaiming some of that. And it's really quite a cool story. I would like to know more at some point, look into the Hannah story, because I knew that was an underground mine. 
which today mm-hmm. we just open up the earth and go in and then close back up again. But that was an underground mine, which yeah. they did have some problems. I know there were some cave-ins. They lost some people there in Hannah. Part of the reason the mine had closed down. What I didn't know is it went under the town? Uh, in certain areas, yes. Wow. Yeah, it was under the school. That that was the that uh, was the biggest project uh, where it was under the school. What, was the school there first, or was the mine there first? This was an old old mine prior to 1977. Okay. So that's that was the situation. Mines were not required to reclaim, and so they would just, <sighs> you know, in a very uh, rudimentary way back in those days, close it up and um i actually have we actually have a really great article and speaking to that some of these things will be featured on what is our story map that is celebrating the 50 years of the DEQ and we'll be highlighting some of these amazing projects that have gone on and um people can find that story map by going to our website wyoming.deq.gov and they'll see a pop-up that says uh, has our 50th year logo, and for more information, they can click on that, and it'll take them to the story map that goes through all the history. But what's cool is that through the year, we will be featuring different stories or linking people to those stories that will highlight some of the really, really good things that we've done as an agency throughout okay. these 50 years. And that will be one of them, the Hannah story. Right. That is an amazing story. Yeah, I definitely want to learn more about that. And also you have water quality, air quality. When I first came to Wyoming, I was wondering, why all the wind socks all over the place? And someone explained to me, well, you see, that's a gas well over there. And, uh, yeah, if, if that wind sock is pointing a certain way and an alarm goes off, you want them in the opposite way. I had no idea. I'd never seen anything like that before. But air quality is a big part of it, too, right? Air quality is a very big part and is, as you know, becoming more and more important and um, looked at. We have great air quality in Wyoming, and, of course, we want to keep it that way. We have about 20, I believe it's about 25 air monitors strategically located throughout the state of Wyoming uh, to monitor our air quality and um, for that very purpose. All right. Kimberly, once again, where do people go to find some of these stories that we're talking about? Because we barely scratched the surface here. We did, yeah. And I hope people will look because a lot of time and effort was put into it. There's a lot of great history. If they will go to our website, uh, wyoming.deq.gov, and just click on that. It'll take them right to the homepage, and the 50-year logo will pop up, and just click on the more information, and that will take them directly to the story map, and they can just read away. A lot of great pictures, a lot of great history. It's kind of a fun, fun journey, and we hope everybody will will enjoy that. Thank you for coming on this morning, Kimberly. It's been educational. I like that. All right, thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate it. 7.30. We're coming right up on that. Local news coming your way right after local news. Update on the weather forecast. Then you and I get back into it again. 888-97 was the phone number. Wake up, Wyoming. Wyoming 
request for people driving Wyoming highways. Could you please stop throwing your urine bombs out the window? I know you don't want to have to pull over, but... All right, here's the story. Cowboy State Daily. I like the way they call it. You know, the Ho Chi Minh Trail. This is the Ho Pi Minh Trail. Jugs, jugs of urine tossed from vehicles. That's a problem with Wyoming highways. They've been called trucker bombs. Drivers, for example, I-80 near Cheyenne, have noticed scattering about. There's all of these, like milk jugs, for example, no longer holding milk. Plastic bottles of different shapes and sizes. Sometimes even gallon jugs filled with urine and tossed out of the vehicle, windows, and people driving down Wyoming highways go, oh, look, there's another one. A nice big jug of uh, apple juice, let's say. One long-haul driver who frequently passes through Wyoming uh, ranks were one of the worst states. <clears throat> While Ranks' profession might not be completely innocent, he said, pinning the blame on just truckers, he says, isn't fair. He says it's a fair mix of those who do and don't toss pee bottles. Um, he, he's in Bullard, Florida. Oh, he's a Florida boy there. Okay, well, I have to, actually don't know where that town is. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I'm going to, I'm not going to sit here and defend truckers to do what he said, but, you know, a gallon of pee in your truck? Really? And it's not just us, he says. The interstates are typically the worst simply because they get the most traffic. Our guys find containers and, uh, you know, other things are found along the highways, too. Drug paraphernalia, dirty diapers, all sorts of horrible things. Adopt a highway litter program as volunteers to keep roadsides clean, and they have to pick up this kind of stuff. They need to wear gloves, and it gets pretty nasty. Most truckers don't. You, you know, folks, you can just wait to the next stop and use a garbage can. Okay. Many companies have been cracking down on it because it's disgusting, he says. A truck is an expensive piece of property, so they don't really want people leaving whiz bottles in them. I like that, whiz bottles. That's a much better way to put it. Uh, claiming to have not the time or physical spryness to just hop out of the cab and go whenever someone feels the urge. Sometimes they just need to keep it moving, and so that's why they do that. But then the Wyoming winds come along and blow that stuff all over the place. No, really, it, it blows this stuff all over the place. Yeah, <clears throat> just the hazards of the high Diapers, people, thrown out the window? Really? 739, Wake Up Wyoming. Call 888-97-WOODS or chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app. This is AM 1030 K2 Radio. 745 is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. Now, just so you know, before I bring him on, if he sounds a little bit rough, uh, Don Day was making his premiere uh, smoking cigarettes at a local lounge and singing jazz and blues all night long. That's why his voice is a little bit rough. It was a good night, though, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a little better now. Yeah, it's a little uh, better. All right. Hang in there, Don. You'll make it through this. I was noticing, and I'm actually going to say it this way, even, but I'm saying it with a little bit of trepidation. The next few days, by comparison, the weather seems to have settled a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we we've got these breaks. Today's a break. Yeah. Okay. Uh, then tomorrow wave comes through. 
disorganized snow showers, wind, and colder temperatures across the state. Then we get a break Saturday. Okay. Then another of these waves comes through on Sunday. So we've got one. We've got these one-day periods. Today, yeah. you know, the sun's out. Sure. Uh, it's a March sun. You step outside, you can actually feel some heat on your face. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is that we just can't go back to back to back right. with these nice days. I don't and know then, why not, but okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, and then, and then, as we get into next week, as we've been warning folks not to jump on any long-range forecast, just because there's yeah. a lot going on, a lot of moving parts. We've got a huge blocking pattern in the Pacific and the Atlantic, and that is not allowing the cold air over the Arctic on our side of the globe to have anywhere to go other than here, (laughs) other than into Canada and Western North America. So we're going to be in this bottled up pattern, which is just going to keep the weather pattern cold and unsettled into next week. And we're seeing signs of next week showing some opportunities for a couple of events of snow that'll be a little bit more than what we're getting now in terms of these scattered snow showers. Okay, so this is where I heard you hesitating this morning during your Cowboy State Daily podcast. The cold next week, that's definitely a thing, right? Yeah, no way getting around it because of that block. Okay, now, but when it comes to the snow part, you don't exactly seem to know how much that's going to be. Am I getting that right? That's right. And and, and one reason for that is our fancy, very expensive, high-end, high computing power computer models kind of are like going um i want to move things around i want to you know have the jet stream make waves that go around the globe we get into these blocking patterns Mm -hmm. honestly they don't know what to do it's 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 kind of freak out time and so we've got to sort through all of those okay so a good idea folks is just to be ready don feel better talk to you again tomorrow sounds good all right so uh coming up well i didn't want to keep them on usually I, i had other questions but you heard what he sounded like. He got a cold and went right to his throat there. Let's head on over to the ice box where Frank Gambino is waiting by. Okay, Frank, I wanted your opinion on the story that I read just a few minutes ago. Okay. Uh, so apparently when it comes to um, <clears throat> along our highways in Wyoming, urine bombs. Right, yeah, those are from truckers. Yeah, well, now, there was a trucker, and I'll give the trucker and they, credit and, and for this. And since he they says, don't want to stop, yes. they just pee in a, in a gallon of milk or uh-huh. a bottle and yep. truck it right oh, out, out the it window. Goes. Now, I will agree with one trucker that was interviewed who said, it's not that it isn't us, but don't just blame us. And it's not just that stuff. There's diapers and other garbage. I mean, really, it's just waste facility all up and down our highways. But it seems that Wyoming is one of the worst places in the nation. I'm going to say because we have long stretches of road without any stops. True. And there's nothing to hide behind. Right. So So we just just throw it out the window. Yeah, that's basically what people are doing. I would say, why couldn't you wait until you got to the next rest stop? Use the bottle if you're going to use the bottle. But when you get to the next rest stop, then dispose of it. Who wants to keep a bottle of pee in there for 60 miles? Well, yeah, but they already, if they're using a gallon, unless they had a lot of coffee that morning, yeah. if they're using a gallon jug, which some people are, I guess you are keeping it there for a while, aren't you? I would, yeah, and that's a, a matter of semantics. Oh, but, okay. but yes. All right. <laughs> so I, I just, you ever, but, but, but these guys have got to, you know, if they're. How are they? Well, they got to throw it far enough to clear one full lane on a two-lane highway. Yeah, 
and get it into like the little burrow ditch, you know, so you, we don't see it. Here's the problems I picture. So uh, let's say you go to throw it out the window, uh, but you're going to use the passenger window, and you no, miss. no, no. You, I think you use the driver's. You side, better use the driver's because and then throw, go you, just go over. Yeah, because if you miss the passenger window, you got a problem. But oh, big you ever time. have this? You're cleaning out your car, and you find an old <laughs> bottle of some drink that you had, and you completely forgot it was there. Well, don't taste it. I can no, try. no. So you know what's going to happen then. Somebody's going to be cleaning out their truck, and they're going to go, oh, my God, that's been sitting here for like six months? Really? You know, Frank, that that's going to happen. That's shameful. It is. So that's why I say for the guys who got it, you're on the road, you're busy. I know Wyoming has long stretches. I get it. Can you at least wait until you get to your next stop? Ain't Please. Uh, we would thank you greatly because, again, Frank, I don't think anyone – even these people who live in Wyoming who don't drive truck know what it's like to drive with your legs crossed because of the long distances. Yeah, and, and sing real loud. High school basketball, the state 1A and 2A tournament, a state tournament begins today in Casper. The 2A games will be at Casper College. For the boys, Tongue River at 20 and 4 will take on 10 and 13 Shoshone at noon. Bighorn at 20 and 2 plays 12 and 11 Grable at 1.30. At 7.30, defending state champion Pine Bluffs, who comes in at 23 and 3, will meet Kemmerer. They're 14 and 10. And the late game at 9 will have Wind River at 15 8 and 8, taking on Wright, who comes in at 18 and 9. 2A girls bracket at the college. The breakfast game at 9 this morning, Sunday at 14 and I will entertain Cameroon comes in at 17 and 8 at 10:30 defending champion Rocky Mountain who's 17 and 6 will meet 11 and 15 Burns Wyoming Indian they come in at 19 and 5 they'll take on Tongue River who's at 17 and 7 at 4:30 and at 6 p.m. Lingo Fort Laramie at 18 and 7 will play 13 and 13 Shoshone the 1A games today will be at the Ford Center in the boys bracket 10 and 10 Cokeville tackles with uh, tangles with 10 and 13 KC at noon defending champion Upton at 19 and 4 plays 6 and 16 Farson following that at one thirty. Then Southeast at sixteen and eight takes on twenty three and three Burlington at seven thirty. The late game at nine will have twenty one and zero Saratoga playing Hewlett, who comes in at fourteen and seven. In the four a girls bracket at the Ford Center today at nine a.m. Upton at twenty and two meets Little Snake River, who comes into the game at twelve and nine. Cokeville plays Rock River at ten thirty. Both of those uh, teams are fourteen and nine. At four thirty, Burlington at nineteen and four will take on ten and eleven Arveda Claremont. And at six p.m., Southeast the defending champions. To 25 and 2. We'll play 13 and 9 in Capman. The semifinals will be tomorrow, and the finals of the 1A 2A tournament will be on Saturday starting at 3.30. The 3A and 4A regional tournament start today. The 4A East will be in Casper and Natrona. And for the boys, Sheridan and Laramie at 10.30, Cheyenne East and Campbell County at 1.30. Thunder Basin will meet Cheyenne South at 5 and at 8 p.m. The Toronto will take on Cheyenne Central. In the 4A Girls East bracket, Thunder Basin and Cheyenne South at 9. Laramie, Senate, Cheyenne Central and Sheridan at noon. Campbell County and Laramie at 3.30. And Cheyenne East will take on the Toronto at 6.30. The 4A West Regional will be this afternoon and tonight. Uh, the Kelly Wall, and that'll be in Afton. The Kelly Walls girls and boys draw Star Valley in the first round at 4.30 and 7.30. The 3A East Regional will be in Torrington. The Glenrock girls will take on Douglas at 10.30 this morning. The Glenrock boys will meet Wheatland at 6. College soccer, Hannah Trumbull of Casper College is signed with Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana. She made one start as a keeper for the T-Birds this past season and appeared in three other matches and made four starts the year before at Dakota Wesleyan. Trumbull was a two-time All-State selection in high school for the NC Phillies. That's it in sports. So Brandon is listening to us in Hawk Springs, which, by the way, you know it's a small town when Main Street is still a gravel road. Mm -hmm. And he says he was a diesel mechanic, and at first he couldn't understand why are, are all these trucks, they have, like, holes drilled at the bottom of the... Oh, because they're not using the bottles. They're going right through the floorboard? Well, yeah, but, okay, 
World War II fighter planes had something that the pilots could use to hook up to. Yeah. And the little hose went out. Okay. So you attach a hose to it. Right. And you and drill a hole off, in the off floor. You go. Okay. See, that's a lot better than throwing a bottle out, is it? Well, I, I, I would say so. I would think so, yeah. I'd Did, but, you know. Yeah, let's just go with that. Frank. Let's just go. We'll go with that. Yeah, all right. Tasteless subject during breakfast. Thank yeah. you, Frank. Coming up on some local business, we have to take care of news time, weather forecast, wake up, Wyoming. It's time to get. It's 8.06 and it's a Thursday, and I swear I can see the weekend from here. It's Triple Eight Ninety Seven Woods. That's 888-97 W-O-O-D-S, where you can talk about what I'm talking about. You can go ahead and change the subject. You know, the open phone thing. Warning. Wake Up Wyoming is about to enter daily open phones. This means that anyone will be allowed to call in and talk about anything. I mean, imagine if we actually allowed you on air to say anything you wanted. Scary, right? Well, we're just that brand of crazy. If you are offended by what other people think, then maybe you want to tune out right about now. Just saying. If you should choose to call, just remember, the more funny and interesting you are, the longer Glenn will keep you on the line. Obnoxious jerks will be hung up on. <coughs> Dave, <coughs> all right, strap in and let's do this thing. Triple eight ninety seven Woods the phone number. That's eight 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 ninety seven W O O D S. So, all right. Um, this next one, Rianne from Fort Danger. Hey, could you get to that topic? Oh, don't worry, Rianne. Oh, I have this all set up. Just a warning out there for everybody, you tin hatters. This is your moment. Go get your tin hats. I'm protected because I made this hat from aluminum foil. And I do have the tin hat store bit just ahead for those people who love that one. Okay. Again, Cowboy State Daily. Wyoming won't stop employers from requiring staff to receive microchips. <gasps> and I hope the microchip is right in your left butt cheek. I'm just saying. Wyoming State House defeated a bill yesterday that would have prohibited employers from requiring their staff to implant microchips in their bodies. Senate File 72 was defeated 32 to 28 on third reading. The last major hurdle it had before being signed into law. Fears and suspicions of the current future forced microchips or chipping Use in Wyoming brought Senate File 72 close to being passed into law. Now, many supporters of the bill described it as an opportunity for the Wyoming legislator to get ahead of a problem before it materialized. Some drawing a comparison to COVID-19 restrictions placed on the workplace during the pandemic. Despite expressing doubt that this particular practice is occurring in Wyoming, State Representative Barry... Is it Crago? A Republican of Buffalo successfully passed an amendment on the bill Wednesday, 
making any past microchipping agreements still acceptable. So if you have a chip in your buttocks from your employer, that's grandfathered in. He said he brought the amendment to confirm the bill to the Wyoming Constitution or conform it to the Wyoming Constitution. So, quote, why is this amendment needed? I suppose some could say uh, about the bill, why is it needed? But what we're trying to do is to get to a place where the bill as written is constitutional, nothing more, nothing less. Representative Janet Ward, Republican Casper, spoke against the argument. Quote, if no one is microchipping, why is the amendment necessary? Representative Cyrus Weston, Republican Sheridan, criticized the bill for having no adherence to federal regulations. An earlier amendment he made, see, you're thinking as you're talking constitution, regulations, federal law, local law, you know, that kind of a thing. So you would think if they defeated this bill, who were they in league with? But it's more like, uh, uh, is a bill like this even constitutional? Quote, right now we have no way of knowing whether we are in compliance or out of compliance with any federal regulations that do monitoring with you know technology like this. Representative Alan Slagle, Republican Lusk, and Chip Newman, Chip, uh, micro, <clears throat> sorry, a Republican Hewlett drew comparisons between this aspect of the bill under pressuring underway, microchipping of uh, cattle in America. Okay, now, are cattle the employees? No, we don't exactly pay them like you're thinking. No, they're not employees. Quote, there are things out there in the wings that are waiting to identify us. He said, I know it's not happening right now, but don't fool yourself. That is, that's not in the wings somewhere. This is going on right now in the livestock industry. It is true. My, hey, your pets at home, many people chip their pets. So if Fido gets loose and somebody finds it, there's a chip in the dog. Representative John Bear, Republican Gillette said the federal government has no authority or laws to enforce any microchip law in Wyoming. Okay, so their question is in. So is it happening? Many legislators express doubt that any business in Wyoming is microchipping its employees with or without their consent. See, they keep talking businesses in Wyoming. What about space aliens? But okay, moving on. Quote, we've heard testimony that it isn't happening, but just in case it is, I don't think that if somebody was microchipping their employees, they're going to show up in the legislature and tell us about it. Probably not going to say, hey, I've been uh, getting all my people microchipped. Representative Chris Knapp, Republican Gillette, claimed there are places in the world where people are being microchipped without consent, but couldn't provide any examples. Well, of course not. It's, if you're talking conspiracy theory, you don't have examples. You have stories, but no actual examples. Now, in 2021, uh, India became the 11th to, Indiana became the 11th to force a ban Although there are no documented instances of any American employer requiring employees to be microchipped, still, though, they put a ban in place. Now, on that note, I mean, this is just probably 
the perfect person to discuss this with, and I'm glad that she called when she did, because there's a topic she wants to talk about, but then we have to ask her about what we're talking about right now. Hey, Jude. Hey, good morning. Do you microchip, do you microchip your employees? Oh, no. Are you kidding? I didn't even ask him to take the shot either because okay. I wouldn't take it. And my husband wouldn't take it. We got it, but, I mean, I just felt, you know, kind of like somebody had unplugged my battery for two weeks. Right. And I didn't, didn't eat a lot. I just kind of slept and treated it like a normal cold. Right. Okay, and so uh, I just make sure because there was that bill to ban microchipping of employees in the state of Wyoming. And I just wanted to know who was walking around the state of Wyoming with a microchip in your rear end. And, of course, you, you assume <laughs> UFOs and aliens, right? Yeah, yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Um, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask anyone to do that because, to me, I know, like you just said, put your tinfoil hat on. Yeah. Uh, that's just another tracking system for sure. the government, I think. Okay. Now, you wanted to talk about the solar farm out by you. Yeah, $280 million. It's still bothering me, and I'm going to bring it up to the county commissioners come Tuesday night. I called Mary earlier, and I was like, there's only 28 minutes of the Monday show on there. What happened to the rest? Did I, did I upset somebody when I was talking about the commissioners? <laughs> <laughs> she goes, no, it's bureaucratic stuff. So, yeah. In, um, the solar panels out there, now we all know that um, they are made in China. Uh, we all know that when they do wear out, they're going to have to be put into the landfill. And we do know that they're full of poisonous material. I want to know who signs us up for this stupid stuff. Between the wind towers and the solar panels, we're going to become Yucca Mountain in Wyoming. And we didn't have to worry about any of it until we got a bunch of progressives moved into the state. And all of a sudden, they all see money and dollar signs. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, now it's, it's got me almost livid. And with the bird blenders, you know, they're even worse. They get to, you know, bypass killing hundreds of birds each year. And, you know, potatoes produce more energy. They have to use our, our regular power lines to transfer the electricity from those. And when when do the blackouts begin for us in Wyoming, even though we've got enough power for the next 200 years? Right. You know, I mean, it's, it's getting ridiculous. We need to start standing up and saying, we don't want this. You may have bought into that green energy, CRAP, mm -hmm. but we didn't. We want our coal-fired plants. We want our natural gas running. And then uh, Liz Cheney was talking a couple of months back about opening up a uranium mine. Well, I can tell you this much. I know two old guys that are in their 80s, and the uranium mine had to pay them oodles and oodles of money for poisoning them. So it's not exactly safe to work in a uranium mine either. All right. So, oh, by the way, did you hear Liz Cheney is going to be teaching at a Virginia university for a short period of time? Oh, she's back in her home state, is she? Oh, yes, she is. Yes, she went home. Oh, well, good luck, Miss Cheney, because you ain't got much of a chance on the world stage. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Judy. Appreciate it. Judy calling from Mills, Wyoming. Who the hell are you? Oh, um, I'm just here looking for a tin hat. Why? I'd rather not say out loud. 
good answer. Is the problem terrestrial threat or outer space? Outer space, I suspect. CIA, KGB, gray, or reptile? Probably a combination, but I can't tell which combo. Since you're not sure, probably need three or more sheets, conventional headgear lined with electromagnetic fields, mind control, and mind reading. Do you have a cat? Yeah, I do have a cat. You'll need one too. If they're from Vogon, they'll probably watch you through your cat. Where did you learn all of this? That's classified. Oh, is it? Well, it just seems odd that you know so much. Seems odd that you ask so many questions. You have trouble making sales, don't you? Only sell to those I trust. So, yeah. Well, that image is gonna stick with you all day. Here's your morning talk. This is Wake Up Wyoming with Glenn Woods on K2 Radio. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. Twenty-three is the time. It's wake up, Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods. Thanks for joining me. Okay, you can do what Judy did. Triple A ninety-seven Woods. The phone number. That's eight 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 ninety-seven W O O D S. Jolly Ranchers in Douglas. I see no problem with getting ahead of such things as microchipping. I'm frustrated with the local school board that won't um, contemplate making policy because it's supposedly not happening currently. I've always believed in being proactive. Okay, instead of reactive. Uh, again, Jolly. Pardon me. Jolly Rancher and Douglas, you can do what Jolly just did. Well, send me a note. If you use the Wake Up Wyoming app, free to download at your app store, touch on the toolbar where it says chat. And you can just send me a text message like that. I read them on the air and uh, type back off there. Let's get into a little bit of drama in Wyoming politics for just a moment. So there's several stories here about... The state senator, Ogden Driscoll, he, his family owns the property around Devil's Tower. What a view, huh? And Anthony Bouchard, and they've been going at it for a while. Well, uh, Senate president is currently Ogden Driscoll. On Wednesday, says, according to Cowboy State Daily, Senate President Ogden Driscoll, Republican Devil's Tower, wiped away any doubt that two ethics complaints against Senator Bouchard, Republican Cheyenne, aren't going to be considered. It's kind of like a three strikes you're out thing. I believe the facts as stated in the com uh, complaints are very concerning, Driscoll wrote. Members of the public should never be personally attacked for honest testimony provided by the legislative committee. Cutting to the chase of what this is really about, uh, Anthony Bouchard, who I've known for quite a while, there's a lot of things that he wants to get passed and is advocated for, which I completely agree with him on. I like what he wants to get done. And he's written some legislation in the past that I looked at and thought, oh, I like the way you wrote that. Good stuff. But then he goes to try to get it passed. And that's where his personality, my words, nobody else's, becomes a little bit dysfunctional. Yeah, and he becomes a uh, he tries to become a bit of a bully. And when that happens, he ends up turning everybody off and nobody wants to work with him anymore. Okay, so first came Sheridan lobbyist Gail Simmons last Friday. Uh, made on be there's a complaint. 
made on behalf of an unnamed lobbyist, accusing Bouchard of making concerning Facebook posts in its complaint that was submitted to Ogden Driscoll. And they attached five screenshots from Bouchard's legislative Facebook page, where she accused him of using abusive and inflammatory language against members of the public, exercising their First Amendment rights. Well, here again, if you disagree with Bouchard on something, he attacks. The second complaint was filed Sunday. Green River resident Jennifer Jones, James, Jennifer James, pardon me, uh, filed an ethics complaint on Bouchard, and he uses some language, which I can't repeat on the air, in a text message. Driscoll warned Bouchard that he, there will be zero tolerance for any future complaints. So the options here, if it's three strikes, you're out, would be censure. Censure is really doesn't carry, carry any hard weight to it. It's basically the Senate turning to Bouchard publicly and slapping his wrist in a very embarrassing way. That's censure. Two, removal from committees. True power in the legislative process comes from sitting on committees and chairing committees. And Bouchard has trouble getting on committees, chairing committees. Nobody really wants him around because of, again, his outbursts, the way he acts, which is a shame because, again, when he has ideas and offers up legislation, it's good stuff. But, you know, then... Finally, expulsion from the Senate. To that, Driscoll said, I would hope to, uh, and this is, I guess he's talking to Bouchard of this, I would hope you take my statements in this letter to heart. While I understand your passion for legislation, you have to have worked on and sponsored that passion. It does not excuse disrespectful and abusive behavior. So I understand your passion. But that doesn't excuse disrespectful behavior. You can be very passionate about it, but you don't have to attack like that. That's been Bouchard's problem all along. Both ethics complaints stem from recent complaints Bouchard made while discussing Cole's Law, legislation that would prohibit doctors from performing transgender-related treatments on minors. Bouchard described medical professionals who opposed the bill as doctors for grooming. Quote, to hint at possible violence and to apply a lobbyist or organization of medical professionals is acting in pursuance of a desire to sexually harm children is unbecoming of a member of the Wyoming Senate, Driscoll wrote. In another Facebook post, uh, Bouchard accused those in the media uh, field of lobbying against the bill, asserting themselves in the political arena and advocating for minors having sex change procedures. And then refer to them as butchers and so on. So, okay. There's a certain decorum that's expected in the Wyoming Senate. He could get, Bouchard could get a lot more done if he knew how to use some tact. That's been the problem. Coming up on 8.30, local news coming your way. Update on your weather forecast. Nice long segment of open phones. Triple eight ninety seven Woods. Wake up, Wyoming.
Tattoo Radio. Got something to say? Chat him on the Wake Up Wyoming mobile app or call 888-97-WOODS. Six to time. It's Wake Up Wyoming, 888-97-WOODS, the phone number. That's 888-97-W-O-O-D-S. So let's see. One story I have for you. More than half the world will be overweight or obese by 2035. Hmm. You're constantly hearing. In fact, let me back up. Remember I told you this a little while ago, 60 Minutes interviewed a guy, the author of The Population Bomb. And that book was... In fact, let me see when that was written here. Uh, population bomb. Let's see if I can get the date. 1968. Population bomb. Paul Ehrlich. And 60. everything in that book was wrong. He was really popular back then with the media because he had predicted within a very short period of time. Again, he wrote this in 1968. We're going to have mass starvation and ecological problems. And it was really end time scenario. Most of the human race is going to be dead. The seas will be boiling. Stanford University professor Paul Ehrlich. Very popular book. The media loved it. And yet not one single thing that he predicted in that book came true. Recently, 60 Minutes interviewed Paul Ehrlich and treated him as if, as if he actually had any credibility, which he doesn't because nothing in that book came true, not a single thing. One of the things he predicted was mass starvation. Well, there are places around the world where starvation does happen, but it's not because we lack food. We create an overabundance of food. We have more than the human race needs. And we figured out how to continue to create it. So I've heard people say that, well, you know, not going to be able to create it for long. We're wearing out the soil. We know how to replenish the soil. That was solved a long time ago. The problem with countries where there's starvation is usually political. There's dictators. There's wars, stuff like that. But thank you, capitalism, because it's not communism that did this. It's not socialist. It's not your government that did this. It's private enterprise that figured out how to make such a surplus of food and made the world so rich and comfortable that if this is true, by 2035, about half the world will be overweight, not starving, overweight. The problem in our modern times is not lack of food and starvation, like Paul Ehrlich described in his book, The Population Bomb. Instead, the problem is just the opposite of that, obesity. The story says more than half the world's population could be overweight or obese by 2035 without significant action, they said. you know, Well, that's your personal responsibility. Significant action is always government needs to. No, you need to. That's your body. Take care of it. The World Obesity Federation's 2023 Atlas predicts, again, take this with a massive bag of salt, not just a grain of salt, because it's a prediction, which is often wrong. 51% of the world or more than 4 billion people will be obese or overweight within the next 12 years. 
Uh, rates of obesity are rising, particularly quick, that's true, especially among children, that's true. And in lower-income countries, the report found. So think about that. Lower-income countries, their main problem, unlike Paul Ehrlich said, oh, starvation is going to, no, it's obesity. Describing the data as a clear warning, President of the World Obesity Federation said policymakers need to act now. Again, what, once again, you see a problem. It's a legit problem. What they described is a legitimate problem. But once again, action is the government needs to. Quote, is particularly worrying to see obesity rates rising fastest among children. That is true. Quote, governments and policymakers around the world need to do all they can. No, they don't. They need to stay out of it. They'll make it worse. The report found that childhood obesity could more than double. Okay. The cost to society, they mentioned what that would be. However, the authors said they're not blaming individuals, but calling for a focus on societal and environmental and biological factors. Okay, see, this is where, again, I completely disagree with them. I blame individuals. This is your body. Do you look down and see a little extra pound? I do. Yeah, I, I've been working really hard for the past few years, and I'm proud of a lot of the things that I've achieved. Books written, radio show success, stuff like that. You know, other things I've done. But so much of my work has been sedentary, so I'm not moving that much. What I eat is really healthy, but I'm sedentary, and that's been the issue with me, right? So all I got to do is move more. I say that in my book, The Uncomplicated Life. Want to lose weight? Here's all you need to know. Eat less, move more. Watch what you eat to make sure you're eating healthy foods. Eat less of it, smaller portions. Move around more. Do stuff you love, and you'll lose a bunch of weight. Eat less, move more. That's all you need to know. But these guys, oh, no, government needs to. We don't blame the individual. Well, it's the individual's responsibility. Anybody can lose weight anytime they want. The report uh, talks about body mass index and so on. The report also found that almost all of the countries expect to see the greatest increase in obesity in the coming years are below middle-income countries in Asia and Africa. Okay, now once again, let's go back to Paul Ehrlich. Oh, oh, the world is going to starve. There's going to be mass. This is what he said in the population bomb. We cannot sustain this. There will be mass starvation and billions will die. It turns out the countries that are gaining weight the most, they're not wrong about this. The rich countries, we've already gained weight. We already got to be. We're the first to do it. Now it's the poor countries that are catching up. Well, would you think that maybe the poorer countries would have the opposite problem, according to Paul Ehrlich's book? And so many other people say, so we're starving out here. No, we're not. We have an abundance of food. Too much, in fact. Man, do we have a lot of food. And because of technology, a lot of leisure time as well. And because you combine the two, a lot of time to sit around and work or do nothing. And then all of these snacks available. And so what are people doing? Constantly chewing on something and not moving a whole lot. And that leads to fat obesity. So Paul Ehrlich, completely wrong about everything. 
which is why it was laughable, and yet another in a long line of blows to the credibility of 60 Minutes when they had Paul Ehrlich on. Then there's this organization who does state it right, we are having a worldwide obesity problem, but their answer is, so government needs to. Don and Laramie, so the world is going to have a problem with so many people becoming obese, and this is going to happen while we are eating bugs? Yeah, and remember, Don, the eating bugs thing, that was once again people saying, well, we need to solve a problem. Therefore, government needs to control the people. I love the way that group said, well, you know, we, it's a government that needs to solve this problem. We, we don't blame the individual. Boy, did they have that completely backwards. If you're overweight and out of shape, that is your fault. It's not the government's fault. 845, wake up Wyoming. Well, I know you don't need Wyoming from boring morning radio. That man is Glenn Woods. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Eight forty-eight is the time. It's Wake Up Wyoming. So off we head over to the ice box where. Frank Gambino's waiting by. Uh, Frank, of course, we all know you have a cat, right? I have a cat, yes. yes. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so d- does your cat uh, ever go anywhere? Or is it just inside all the Inside time? cat. Inside, yeah. okay. There's a cat that I'm watching here, and I'm trying to figure out where this is. I think it's in, now it's not Florida, but some southern state. And there's a neighborhood right close by, and so the cat's allowed to just go out and play. Yeah. And there's a golf course right there. Okay. Okay, the cat likes to go hang out by one of the holes at the golf course. Okay. And every time someone tries to make a putt, <laughs> the cat, cat runs the over cat and starts to whacking re- at the, the ball. ball. Yeah. <laughs> well, why don't you whack it in the hole? <laughs> uh, yeah, always away from it. Now, I think that that adds... If I were a golfer, part of the challenge to the hole, you also have to get it past the cat. Right. So what you have to do is that if you're ever forced to be all part at the same time. Yeah. Let that's the cat a good figure out all four, you know, and whoever's as close to say you're good. Okay. Uh, wait a second. Let me see. I'm sending you. Uh, there we go. I'm going to go ahead and send you this because I think you'll really enjoy watching this as golfers try to get it past the cat. Now, there are certain rules in golf. You're a golfer, you know. Yeah, yeah. If you find something on the ground that is naturally there, you can't touch it. You, if it's an impediment, right. you can kind of kind of move it away. Okay. I mean, on the green, yes. Now, right. cats, or like animals, uh-huh. I think you should just be able to shoo them away. I've, I, I've shooed ducks away. Okay. But then again, I've put it right around them. They don't chase the ball, though. No, they well. That depends on what kind of bird, because there's other birds that will pick up your ball. That's another one. Yes. Yeah. Mm, not no, like, exactly. Like, yeah. Sure. What the rules are? I'm sure if you talked to the Pro Golfers Association, whoever they are, somebody will come up with some kind of a rule. Do they have rules for alligators and birds? They must. They must. Okay. But the first one is that don't. You you could golf right next to them. Is my understanding? Yeah. They'll leave you alone. Just don't pester them. There's the main... Okay, when a gator comes out, being a Florida boy, I know this, the gator mostly is just trying to sun himself Yeah. as long as you don't bother him. Right. <laughs> Easier said than done. 
The 3A and 4A high school regional basketball tournament start today. The 4A East will be in Casper at Natrona. For the boys, Sheridan will play Laramie at 10.30. Cheyenne East in Campbell County at 1.30. Thunder Basin will take on Cheyenne South at 5. And at 8 p.m., Natrona will meet Cheyenne Central on the 4A Girls East bracket. Thunder Basin and Cheyenne South at 9 this morning. Central and Sheridan at noon. Campbell County and Laramie at 3.30. Cheyenne East will take on Natrona at 6.30. The 4A West Regional will be in Afton. The Kelly Walsh girls and boys both draw stars. Valley in the first round at 4.30 and 7.30. The 3A East Regional will be in Torrington. The Glenrock girls will play Douglas at 10.30 this morning. The Glenrock boys will take on Wheatland at 6. The State 1A and 2A High School Basketball Tournament begins uh, in just a few minutes in Casper. The 2A games will be at Casper College for the boys Tongue River at 20-4. and four. They will take on 10-13 and 13 Shoshone at noon. Bighorn at 20-2 and two will play 12-11 Grable at 1.30. At 7.30 tonight, defending state champion Pine Bluffs who comes in at 20 23 and 3 will meet Kemmer, who is 14 and 10. And the late game at 9 will have Wind River at 15 and 8, taking on Wright, who comes in at 18 and 9. In the 2A girls bracket at the college, the breakfast game at 9 this morning, Sundance at 14 and 9 will entertain 17 and 8 Kemmer. At 10.30, defending champion Rocky Mountain, who is 17 and 6, will meet 11 and 15 Burns. Wyoming Indian at 19 and 5 takes on 17 and 7 Tongue River at 4.30. And at 6 p.m., Lingo Fort Laramie and their 18 and 7 will play Shoshone is at 13 and 13. The 1A games today, at the Ford Center, the boys bracket. 10 and 10, Cokeville tangles with 10 and 13 KC at noon. Defending champion Upton will play at 130 against Farson. Upton is 19 and 4. Farson is 6 and 16. Southeast at 16 and 8 will take on 23 and 3 Burlington at 730. The late game at 9 will have 21 and 0 Saratoga playing Hewlett, who comes in at 14 and 7. The 1A girls bracket at the Ford Center today at 9 a.m. Upton at 20 and 2 will take on Little Snake River, who enters the game at 12 and 9. Cokeville plays Rock River at 1030. Both teams are 14 and 9. At 4.30, Burlington will take on Arveda Claremont. Burlington is 19-4. and 4. Arveda Claremont is 10-11. and 11. At 6 p.m., Southeast, the defending champions at 25-2, and 2, will play 13-9 and 9 in Campman. The semifinals will be tomorrow, and the finals of the 1A tournament will be on Saturday afternoon starting at 3.30. College soccer, Hannah Trumbull of Casper College is signed with Rocky Mountain College in Billings, Montana. She made one star for the T-Birds at the keeper spot this past season and made four starts the year before at Dakota Wesleyan. Trumbull was a two-time All-State Selection High School for the Natrona County Phillies, and that's in sports. So I'm just taking a look at other things that can be an obstruction that are perfectly natural. Uh, have you ever played in Wyoming wind and it starts to blow the ball around while it's on the ground? Um, yes. Okay. So you got to mark your ball. Yeah. And then the wind can blow it, and then you just have to play it where okay. it lies. But if you mark it, then you can put it back to your mark. Okay. Because as far as I'm concerned, if I put the ball down and I'm not touching it and the wind starts to blow it, it's too windy to play golf. Yeah. It, it, there's nothing more embarrassing than hitting a ball in the air and it ends up behind you. Yeah. Let's see. My, <laughs> sis, my sister says, a cat is easier to shoo away than an alligator. Well, she's got a point. You sure? Yeah. Give it a try. You want to try it? No, no, no. No, no okay. Because uh, she's got a place for you no, to no, stay no, with you. No, okay, no, thank no, you. For... Coming up on some local business that we got to take care of. We're going to roll into news time after that. National local update on the weather forecast. Wake up, Wyoming. It's time to get... Six to time, it's Wake Up Wyoming. My name is Glenn Woods, and it's open phones. 888 97 Woods, the phone number. That's 888 97 W O O D. 
You can talk about what I'm talking about, change the subject, fine. I'll just kind of roll with the whole thing. I have a few topics here, so I'm going to be sort of topic hopping. And since I'm doing that, you can too. That's why you can go ahead and interrupt me. So real quick, uh, Wyoming property taxes. There was a bunch of bills, a bunch, that were offered up in the Wyoming House and Senate on your property taxes. Because that's been a big problem. To the point, I I even had at one point the governor on the program talking about that. That's been a major issue for people in Wyoming as some neighborhoods have gone way up in price and so the property taxes and suddenly people who've been there for generations can't afford their own property anymore. So there's one left and this came back from the dead. There's a process where bills that died in the Wyoming House and Senate can be resurrected for one last gasp. So constitutional amendment that may that many lawmakers believe is necessary for real property tax reform has been resurrected from what appears to have been certain death but according to Cowboy State Daily a house joint resolution had a had sought to pull residential property taxes out of the other category in Wyoming's constitution where it's listed with commercial and agricultural property the bill had also included a cap on tax rate increases, which that's what ultimately sank the whole idea. Now, there's a similar bill in the Senate, made it to the floor, failed to achieve a two-thirds majority, so we'll have to see what happens in the House. And that's where we are right now. There, There's ideas out there to try to reform how you pay your property taxes. And my thought has always been, when I look at how your property is assessed, that it is complicated, way too complicated, and it is set up in such a way that if prices do spike, all of a sudden you're paying much more, especially if you're still paying your mortgage. If you lived in some place like Teton County, you're in real trouble, some people are. That's gotta be fixed. There's There's always something we can do about that. And we don't necessarily have to look to other states to see how they did it unless they solve the problem. We can come up with our own solutions here. Think outside the box. All right, another story for you. So President Biden finally broke out his veto pen for environmental, social, and governance, ESG. Yeah, the the first time he actually grabbed his veto pen and decided he was... and. This is what he does it on. Now, remember, this is I've got another one on the president in just a moment over something he promised he wouldn't do that. Of course, he's doing because he's always lied. But all right, here's how this works. President Joe Biden will issue his first veto in his so far as president passing a a resolution that overturned the D.C. soft on crime bill and the bill to scrap his administration's environmental social justice governance rule. The Republican and moderate Democrats both helped pass a bill that would nullify the ESG rule or the Department of Labor's uh, prudence and loyalty in selecting planned investments and exercising shareholder rights rule. Boy, that's a long title there. Two Democrats testified and in favor of getting rid of ESG. The resolution passed swiftly through the House on Tuesday and then into the Senate and then on to the President. 
The source says ESG is the latest vector through which the federal government, Wall Street asset managers, and so on, are trying to push woke culture, climate change, stuff like that. So this is something that would put an end to ESG rules. Now, as far as rules from the government, because a lot of ESG goes around the government, and that's essentially what the president wants to veto. All right, so we'll find a different way to get that done. Most ESG, by the way, has nothing to do with government. It goes around government. But in this case, what went through government is what he's wanting to uh, you know, sign a veto on. I'm looking for, if I sound distracted, there was another one. There's a ESG one. There's another one that there was a Democrats, actual Demo here we are, Democrats vote to rein in Biden's executive orders. Now, this is what got me when he first took office or actually was running for president. This president said that he was not going to sign all sorts of executive orders. Remember that? He said, and I have the quote that I'm looking for right now. Here it is, Biden on executive orders. I want to play this to remind you what he said. So there's not going to be any delay on the tax increases? No, well, I got to get the votes. I got to get the votes. That's why, you know, uh, the one thing that I, I have this strange notion we are a democracy. Some of my Republican friends and some of my Democratic friends even occasionally say, well, if you can't get the votes by executive order, you're going to do something. Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. We're a, report, we're a republic, not a democracy. It's, you can say it's a type of democracy, but we're not a direct democracy. Okay, but what he said there, of course, was a flat-out lie. And immediately when he sat down to take office, you remember there was a picture, some of you have seen it, of a stack, I mean, a tall stack of executive orders on his desk, and he immediately went to sign them all. This very guy who said right there, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Nearly 60 House Democrats voted with Republicans in the U.S. House on Wednesday to put a check on President Biden's executive order. The House voted to rein in Inflation Act. That's the Rein in Inflation Act which will require the Biden administration to publish the inflationary impact of each executive order he has been issuing. Pushing one big spending policy after another. Remember, these are Democrats saying this. This is the president who said that he cut the deficit by about a trillion dollars. Yet even these Democrats are saying it's one executive order after the next and it's spend, spend, spend. President Biden has continued to throw fuel on the inflationary fire, said House Republicans and Democrats. And that fire is rapidly consuming the wages of our constituents. Inflation. They've had to pay higher prices for everything from eggs to electricity, all while inflation pushes real wages farther and farther behind. The bill would apply to executive orders with an estimate impact of about a billion dollars under the legislation. The chairman of the Council of Economic Advisors and Office of Management and Budget would prepare the estimate. The Biden administration would also have to prepare a report for Congress every single year. So according to the bill's summary, the requirement does not apply to executive orders that provide emergency assistance, relief, things like that to local government. 
necessary for national security, something like that. But, of course, the president, in this case, will do what he always does. Well, he'll just find a way to make it relate. Kind of like with canceling student loan debt has nothing to do with the original legislation, but he'll figure out a way to make it sound like it does. Dozens of Democrats supporting bills suggested it could have a chance in the U.S. Senate. Critics pointed to the spike in federal spending since Biden took office. The national debt is on its way to way over probably $33 trillion for the year. Biden's reckless executive spending agenda has cost hardworking families more than a trillion dollars. And this is Democrats and Republicans signing what I just read right there. Even some Democrats stepping on board and saying, that's enough with the executive orders. And you just heard him say that he wouldn't do that. Federal data shows consumer prices have been soaring since Biden took office. Quote, House Republicans are holding the Biden administration accountable for fueling the worst spike in prices in a generation. According to Wayne Zemings chairman, Jack Smith, Republican of Missouri. Under the bill, President Biden would have to reveal the inflationary costs of his reckless agenda. Okay, we'll see if they're able to push this through. But more than anything, I like that a number of Democrats stepped up and said exactly what the Republicans were saying on this. These executive orders are way out of control and costing us a bunch of money, therefore costing the American people a bunch of money. While the president all along maintains that he promised not to sign a bunch of executive orders, and yet his first day in office, he signed more than any other president ever did in his first day in office, and continues to write one executive order after the next. The president just writing legislation from his desk. 916, wake up Wyoming. Face the day at 888-97-WOODS. Wake up Wyoming with Glenn Woods, live on AM 1030 K2 Radio. Twenty-two is the time which wake up Wyoming. I was kind of funny. Scott in Scott's Bluff just sent me a note, and he issued a correction. So the first thing I I see is, oops, have issues. And I'm thinking, yes, I know Scott, you have issues. Glenn, could you explain that if the student loan fiasco is so questionable, who has what authority, and has created so much debt? Why are we not shutting it down and cutting the losses? Why keep doing something that is only going to continue to have issues? Okay. Well, first off, it's your government. When things fail catastrophically with the government, then they just double down. And they're always expanding programs and so on. Remember, now, let's go back, taking your question a little further than you were thinking, Scott. There was a time when we had colleges in America. They were all private. And true, not everybody got to go to college, but as we've talked about before on this program, not everybody should. It's not for everybody. What are you intending to do? And when someone did pay to go to college, a college focused on, so your career goal is going to be what? You showed up knowing what you were going to do, and they focused your studies on that career goal. And so when you left, you only paid for what you had to pay for. And you were educated on what you needed to be educated on. Then comes your federal government pouring money into the system. And the more classes that a college can offer, 
the more they're going to make off the federal government. So colleges start to add all sorts of electives and other things on. Now, if you want to get a degree, you have to take all sorts of other courses that have nothing to do with why you're there. Some kids are in college. They don't even know why they're there. They were just told, told to go to college, but they don't know what for. So they're spending all this money on. Then your government got into the student loan program. And during the Obama years, I think quite illegally, the federal government entirely took over student loans. So if you want to get a student loan to go to college, you have to go through the government to get it. Now, even private universities are on the hook for this because they take so much federal government money. That's part of what did this is federal government started offering money to all sorts of colleges, universities, and of course they want that money. And that comes with all sorts of strings attached. So now, not every, but most colleges and universities, while not directly owned by your government, really have all sorts of money pouring in from your government. That who is really running the college? Who's really running the university? And then they're in charge of student loans, too. So you can see what a mess that this has become. And students who did borrow the money, and they have to borrow it from the federal government, get degrees in, well, whatever they're getting a degree in, in most cases, there's no way to get a job with what they have a degree in. But they're on the hook now for a ton of money. All right, now, now they have to pay all of this off, right? Again, you see the problem that the federal government has created here. So a student was rooked into school by your government, and they were talked into taking a big loan and get a degree in something that will never allow them to pay back that loan. That piece of paper they have is not going to lead to any kind of a profession that will allow them to pay back that loan. Now kids are upset. It would be, now if I could wave my magic wand, I would get government out of college education altogether. Just completely out of it. Just get out. Okay, College, community college, universities are to be private organizations. And there are universities and colleges out there. A lot of them are just online because there's many things that you can study without actually having to go into a classroom. You can study on your own time, at your own pace, at home. You see DeBry University, you hear all sorts of you know, different colleges that do just that. But it depends, on, if you're gonna be a surgeon, you better go into class. But there's other things that you can learn at home at your own time and your own pace, and that saves people a ton of money. Shows what the free market can do for people. And that's what I'd like to get college back to, is the free market system, not the mess that your government created out of it. Because, uh, dear Lord. What a mess they've created. And a, a bunch of kids who graduate, in many cases, not just having a useless degree, but so much of what happens at the university is a bunch of college professors indoctrinating these young people, screwing with their heads. And is this really what we're paying all this money for? So you see the problem that I have with this. This has become an absolute total mess. There are some good schools out there. There are a few left. Most of them are schools that don't take any federal government money and are completely independent. Most of them are still that. They do exist. Also, trade schools tend to be very good. So I do encourage if someone wants to get into a trade, do that instead.
because your college and university system has become a complete mess. Much like, to give you another idea, when it comes to medicine in America, doctors, hospitals, okay, the mess that was created there, what was a private industry that was working well, now you have the mess we have today, getting worse all the time. And every time people want to fix it, they think the fix is more government. Well, more government is what created this problem. More government's certainly not going to fix the problem. All right, we're coming up on 9.30. When we get there, it's going to be local news. Update on your weather forecast right after that. You and I get into another nice segment, open phones and all that. Good question, Scott from Scott Bluffs. Oh, I do have one more college thing. Um... Princeton senior campus officials are noticing that students are moving more and more to the right, not the left. Yeah, and I know why. I know exactly why. Politically, they're becoming more right-wing than left-wing. I can explain the pendulum move. Let's wake up, Wyoming. is on the air. Sorry, but we had a budget. Join the conversation at 888-97-WOODS. This is K2 Radio. Thirty-six of time. Wake up, Wyoming. Okay, let me see. Just taking care of some station business here. Got it all set up, ready to go. So let's go back to Princeton University. I have to say it that way because it's an Ivy League school. <laughs> A Princeton senior campus political advisor or spokesperson, whatever, said a lot of students are moving more right wing. Now I can tell you why, but hang on. Let's take a look at what the story says. Princeton has become a much more politicized place over the past 10 years, according to Thomas Kelly, philosophy professor. It's also become more progressive. Diversity training sessions are, yeah, diversity training sessions blatantly endorse their ideas, espousing all sorts of far left ideas, right? But then there's Micro-individualism? What the heck? For those on the right, the experience is alienating to go to Princeton and universities like that. Typical Americans' views on gender ideology, American history, often, often completely different than what professors are teaching. But for the conservative college student, life is punctuated by political checkpoints. Classes may begin with the request for preferred pronouns, or um, land acknowledgments, I don't know what that is. A student who jokes about the wrong subject might face social punishment. All students should welcome the challenge to their beliefs, which I do believe everybody should have their beliefs challenged so they can defend them and learn how to do that. And of those who challenge liberal policies, they can face real repercussions because a Princeton student defended an unpopular opinion about policing 
in a private conversation, she was punished out of and pushed out of her leadership position on the sports team. You can see what they're up against. Now, this professor is noticing more and more students are going right wing despite this. And I think it's backlash. People don't like being treated like this. They can't stand it. Nobody likes a Karen, in other words. They can't stand it. And at first, they might try to appease someone who's treating them like this, like those on the hardcore left are treating them. They'll try to do what they can, get along. They'll even try to be quiet and just fade into the background so nobody notices them, so they don't have any trouble. But at some point, people have had about enough, and they start fighting back. And some people who might have been actual left-wingers, they get to the point where they just can't, they just can't abide by this anymore. The uh, author of this story, who's with, in Princeton, again, this professor, writes, I'm a liberal who, after working for nearly 50 years in politics, is teaching a local college semester, and I have to jump through hoops, staggering amount, during a two-line course with quizzes. And... Anything that he says he's afraid of the answer someone might give or something that he might say. I mean, what if he's up there lecturing and he says something that's a microaggression? That's the problem there. And this is where people have finally had enough. When you get to the point where you can't even say anything, and even when you're not saying anything, somebody's coming after you because they assume what you're thinking. You're probably not thinking what they think you're thinking, but they're convinced you are, and so you must be punished even though you weren't doing anything. You weren't thinking anything. Professor says, one of my students, openly conservative, tells me he's afraid to talk to anyone. It's pretty scary. Instead of uh, jamming the most extreme principles of woke down their throats, college students are beginning to rebel against woke. Extremely well-written, heartfelt, I am politically left-wing, the professor says, but completely agree with this analysis. I place a lot of blame on the feet of college administrators who adopt the consumer-driven, the consumer-is-always-right approach to have in. Yeah, so here you have a bunch of leftist college students complaining about every little thing. And they're complaining, therefore it must be correct because they complained about it. Well, again, people can only take so much of this. He writes, I'm a professor at a big state school. We've always had a, he's always considered himself liberal. There are certainly some of these kinds of issues, depending on the department of the school. I may be wrong, but my impression is that it is very divisive on campus. Well, of course, he notices it's divisive because, as he said himself there in this story, as a professor, he even notices that he worries about what he's going to say, or what he appears to be thinking. Can't even lecture anymore, worried that someone's going to lash out at him. And what if while he's talking, someone raises a hand and either asks a question or answers a question? What if that person doesn't say the right thing? Doesn't look like they're feeling the right thing. This is what pushes people away, and the pendulum swings back the other way, as people have just about had enough. 942 Wake Up Wyoming. 
not at you. Be part of the show at 888-97-WOODS. This is Wake Up Wyoming on K2 Radio. Up at 9.48, it's Wake Up Wyoming. Off we go to Frank Gambino, who's on location doing what, where? Okay, hang on a second now. Let's see. There's Frank is there, and there we go. And that would be, hmm. Okay, Mary, let's see if I can get, no, I think I, uh, I might have lost Frank there. Okay, Frank might have to call back, because I went ahead and pulled him up over there, and he wasn't there. All right. Well, Andy, he's over at the board center because there's all sorts of uh, school activities going on. And he read off a list, well, several times this morning. I mean, a good long list of events that are going on for high school sports. And dear Lord, everything's going on. So at least when it gets to this weekend, he doesn't have to go anywhere. He's in Trona County. This might be him. Frank, you there? I can hear him this time. Yeah, barely you're in the background, but you're there. I'm here. There you are. Okay. So you're what doing where? Why, who? I'm at the Ford, Ford Wyoming Center, and it's 1A girls basketball in the state tournament. And Upton is leading Little Snake River 36-33 to with three minutes to go in the third quarter. It's not. There's not a whole lot of people here, but... It's loud. Okay. Loud is good, I guess, for that. All right. I got a good one for you. Uh, you, when you're on the road, you have to go out to eat a lot, right? Yep. Okay. You ever take a look at what's at the bottom of your receipt under, or do you take a look at your receipt at all? Well, sometimes I do, and they say, you know, fill out a survey or something. Oh, okay. Now, I like it when they write something on there to see if you're ta- paying attention. Like this one says, thanks, boy. That was good. <laughs> Uh, when the waitress wrote, I'm not pregnant, but thanks for the eating for two comment. Oh, okay. okay. Um, see, don't, oh, yeah, additional tip, don't stare at the sun. Okay, well, <laughs> there's a tip, and then there's additional tip. Oh, I like this one. Some guy uh, wanted to add a tip, and so he wrote a complicated mathematical formula to get to a $5 tip. Try to decipher that one. Really? Yeah. Why? Just right. I don't know. Please. Yeah, he's having fun. Uh, Chuck Norris has Xbox Live on his uh, PS3. Does anyone really read this? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> Just check in to see. Okay. Um, Dr. Pepper, soup, sesame really. chicken, fried rice, and fire. Just to see if you're paying attention. Uh, George... We hope you had a wonderful birthday and enjoyed your free birthday burger during your visit today. Uh Uh-oh, lost Frank again. Did you hear that, Miss Mary? His phone just suddenly went dead, so he's going to have to call back again. Let's see. Uh, No refunds on open products. Uh, Let's see. Thank you for buying. Uh, I'm looking for the funny ones down here. See, uh, I can't math. Here's your. T- There's a good one. You ever get to the point where you're going to leave a tip and you panic because you have to do math? Do you ever get to that point? Yeah, and you have to. The last one, Frank, was someone put in the little thing where you figure out the tip. I can't math, and then they just added a few bucks. <laughs> just write in five bucks. Just, just five, you know, I do that a lot. As a matter of fact, okay, go with sports. 
All righty, the State High School 1A and 2A basketball tournament underway as we speak in Casper. 2A games will be at Casper College for the boys. Tongue River will take on Shoshone at noon. Bighorn will play Grable at 1.30. At 7.30, it'll be defending champion Pine Bluffs taking on Cameron. And the late game at 9 o'clock, we'll have Wind River taking on Wright in the 2A girls bracket. And right now, the breakfast game, Sundance is playing Kemmerer. At 7.30, defending champion Rocky Mountain will be Burns. Wyoming Indian will take on Tongue River at 4.30 and at 6 o'clock. Lingle Fort Laramie will play Shoshone. The 1A games with the 4-7 in the boys' bracket. Cokeville will play KC at noon. Defending champion Upton will take on Parson at 1.30. Southeast and Burlington at 7.30. The late game will have Saratoga and Hewlett at 9 p.m. In the 1A girls' bracket right now, Upton is leading Snake River 38-33. to uh, We're headed towards the uh, end of the third quarter. Cokeville will play Rock River at 10.30. Burlington and uh, Arveda Claremont will be the next game after that at 6. And then uh, Southeast will take on uh, encampment later on tonight. And, and Southeast is the defending champions. The semifinals will be tomorrow. And the finals in the 1A, 2A tournament will be Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, starting at 3.30. The 3A and 4A regional basketball tournaments are today. for East and Casper at Latrona. For the boys, Sheridan and Laramie at 10.30. Eastern Campbell County at 1.30. Thunder Basin beats Cheyenne South at 5. And at 8 p.m., the Toronto takes on Cheyenne Central. And the 4A Girls East Bracket, Thunder Basin and Cheyenne South at 9. They're going out right now. Central and Sheridan at noon. Campbell County and Laramie at 3.30. Cheyenne takes on the Toronto at 6.30. The 4A West is at Afton. The Kelly Walsh Girls and Boys draw Star Valley in the first round at 4.30 and 7.30. The 3A East Regional in Torrington. The Glenrock Girls will play Douglas at 10.30 this morning. And the Glenrock Boys will take on Wheatland at 6 p.m. That's it for After reading that fun thing about all of the different receipts and what people write, I've decided from now on, whenever I go to sign my receipt and leave a tip, I'm going to take a moment to write something just really weird. Okay. That means Why don't I just write, write something profound? I could do that too, sure. A, a quote from someone famous, Confucius. Or yeah, whatever. or something you find in a fortune cookie. Yeah, exactly. But I am not going to assume that the waitress is pregnant like that one guy did. <laughs> no, don't do that. No, Bad no, idea. No. Thank you, Frank. Okay, coming up on some local business we have to take care of. I had a friend who did that one time. We were at a checkout lane of a grocery store. And she turned to the cashier and said, so when do you do? And the cashier looked at her and said, I am not pregnant. Well, she turned, my friend turned to me for support, but, and I mean this literally, I was already mostly to the door walking out because I was, I just left her hanging on that one. You cannot even ask for help from me for something like that. Just, you're on your own. Let's wake up my own. get the feeling